Hello and welcome to this special bonus Easter content for the Folklore Podcast. The Folklore Podcast team of volunteer researchers thought that they wanted a little project to keep themselves occupied. Why don't we look at Easter traditions, they said. Carry on, I told them. Pull some bits together, send them over, and I'll record them for you, and we'll put it out as some bonus content to keep people entertained on the podcast. So, that's what they did. Here is a collection of short pieces of writing by some of the podcast volunteer researchers on spring and Easter traditions in Europe. The Easter Bunny by Celine Paxton Brooks So the Easter Bunny is visiting today with his basket of eggs. Hold on. Isn't Easter supposed to be a Christian festival? What has a man dying on the cross and rising again got to do with rabbits and eggs? After all, rabbits don't even lay eggs. Imagine, if you will, the days getting longer after a cold and bitter winter. The sun is warm and you can begin to prepare your new crops and start to till the land after it's been frozen for months. The grass is growing tall and nature is returning to your doorstep. You step outside and there in the fields are hares. Not rabbits, but beautiful hares leaping in the air, apparently engaged in a boxing match. Mad as a March hare has been used in Britain as a saying for over 600 years, and the hares, which are usually nocturnal animals, disappear into the long grass and without a second glance you follow, intrigued by their lithe bodies, and thinking of the empty stewpot sat expectantly on the hearth, you pursue the creature into the undergrowth. But on reaching the spot that you were sure the hare had landed, all you see is a nest full of shiny, almost marble-like eggs, left behind as if as a present from the gods. Quite a story but the connection between spring, rabbits and eggs is beginning to make sense, don't you think? In 1993, the BBC aired a documentary called Shadow of the Hare, which set out to connect the ancient pagan ways with those of the relatively new Christian celebration of Easter. It got me thinking. Were they right? Just where did this union come from? In the 8th century, the Venerable Bede wrote that Easter came from the worship of the goddess Istra, whose feasts were celebrated in March by the Anglo-Saxons in England, and the spring goddess Ostara, Austra, who was venerated by the peoples of Northern Europe in April. In his Deutsche Mythology of 1835, Jacob Grimm stated that hares were probably the sacred animal of Ostara, but even earlier, in De Ovis Paschalibus, about Easter eggs, 1682, Georg Frank von Frankenau mentions the Easter hare bringing coloured eggs for the children. Grimm had catalogued the superstitions, traditions, folklore and popular beliefs of the German people, and suggested that the Easter bunny had come from primitive German pagan traditions. The Oxford Dictionary of English Folklore, however, says that there is no evidence that hares were sacred to Istra. We do know that hares were introduced to England between the 5th and 3rd centuries BC, and that at sites in Hampshire and Hertfordshire, 
hair and chicken bones have been found carefully buried, implying that these creatures had a significance to society, and were too important to be eaten. In fact, rabbits didn't come onto the menu until the Romans introduced them to Britain, and farmed them for food and their skins. Therefore, to ancient Britons, hares had been sacred, but by the Middle Ages they had fallen out of favour and were associated with witchcraft. Witches were said to transform themselves into hares, and in 1662 the Scottish witch Isabel Gowdy confessed that she transformed herself into a hare by reciting a spell. The only way to kill a witch hare was to shoot it with a silver bullet. So, why do we still use this symbolism for a predominantly Christian festival? According to the Bible, Leviticus 1.6, the hare is an unclean creature, but it has been used for centuries in Christian art as a symbol of rebirth and resurrection. The symbol of three hares in a circle, known as Tinner's Rabbits, are found in 17 churches in Devon, and have been studied by folklorists as part of the Three Hares Project, presumably representing the Holy Trinity, but as a worldwide fascination for hares as religious iconography. There have been some connections between rabbits and the Virgin Mary, although these seem tenuous and contradictory. Apart from that, I can find little that draws the two together, except for embracing a deep tradition that was difficult to remove when Christianity began to take its hold on Britain. That tradition for the sacred hare can still be seen today in Hallerton, Leicestershire, with its hare pie scramble and bottle kicking, which takes place on Easter Monday. The story goes that a hare distracted a raging bull from devastating the village, thereby saving the people from being trampled to death. A hare pie is baked, not a very kind way of showing gratitude to the hare in my opinion, and then scattered on the ground before a bottle-kicking competition begins, where the bottles, kegs, have to be moved across two streams by any means possible. Then it's all back to the pub, certainly a good way to celebrate a custom that has been kept here for possibly hundreds of years. So, we are back to today's Easter bunny, changed from a hare when those illustrious Victorians reclaimed the German tradition of the Osteriabaum for their own, possibly another of Prince Albert's childhood dalliances, where the egg-toting bunny brought presents for all the good children of the land. I hope you've been good. If so, that bunny just might bring some beautiful coloured eggs for you too. The Osteriabaum, a rooted Easter tradition in Germany by Polar Schiavone. Easter traditions, especially in Europe, are linked to the end of the harsh and dark winter and the beginning of the spring, longer days and warmer temperatures. As a seasonal and cyclic event of nature, this turning point of time, that affects the life of the people both spiritually as materially, has been ritualised in many ways before Christianity to favour the arrival of good weather, the renewal of nature, and with that, the abundance of crops and cattle. Abundance, fertility and renewal are probably the keys to interpret Easter traditions in the North Hemisphere. The Osteriabaum, which translated means the Easter egg tree, is a tradition spread through all Germany. 
It consists in decorating a tree with coloured eggshells that are hung to the branches with laces. This is done with the trees or bushes that people have in their own gardens, and in the case of those who don't have one, it can be improvised by gathering some branches put in a vase and decorated the same way. Pretty much anywhere in Germany, after spring has officially begun, and right before Easter, one can see dozens of decorated trees along the streets, with eggs painted in all kinds of shades and designs. This tradition is rooted in Germany since pre-Christian times, and it is almost impossible to specify when it started. A good approach is then to look into the allegory that the egg, a very settled Easter symbol, has together with the tree. Eggs symbolise fertility, abundance, seasonal renewal, and illustrate the myth of periodic creation. In this direction, the egg is a universal image for a seed that contains an existence that will manifest and develop. So the notion of egg is figuratively associated to birth and to a primeval existence, containing the potential multiplicity of beings and of realities. For Mercia Eliade, it is an image of the whole. Hanging from the trees that now begin to turn green again and to provide fruits and flowers, these colourful eggs are also the emblem of the spiritual, mental and physical life being reborn, resurfacing after the introspection of winter. When considering the tree as the holder of the hanging eggs, filled with the new life, with the rebirth, and observing the deep connection that Germany has to her woods, one observes similarities to the May tree, another European tradition of the seasonal change. As Fraser indicates, the May tree is an invitation to the fruitfulness of vegetation and nature, that begins with spring and develops through summer. The member of the communities leading such rituals get involved in this active interaction with nature's cyclical renewal. Both the May tree and the Osteriabaum are decorated trees, sometimes with the same attributes like painted eggshells and laces, and the centre of rituals performed around the Easter time, the end of carnival and the beginning of spring. Easter is nevertheless a Christian festivity, and therefore is fundamental to consider the association and parallels between the Osteriabaum and Christ's crucifixion. Jesus is crucified and killed on the cross, a vertical element made of wood, and therefore kin to the tree. But his death is not a final sentence, for three days after he perishes, he shall resurrect. The colourful eggs hanging from the trees represent the triumph of Jesus over sin and perdition. This custom is a good example of the syncretism of a pagan festivity, that ritualises the transition of seasons and of states of the mind and spirit, and a crucial Christian celebration that marks a dogmatic basis of the Christian belief, that of death and resurrection of Christ, the only Son of God, born to a virgin and the saviour of all humanity. More Eggs in Strange Places by Joanna Veranda, with further research by Lara C. Corey. We've heard that collecting eggs for Easter appears to have started out as a Germanic tradition, made popular in the United Kingdom in the Victorian period, but when it comes to having eggs in unusual places, Portugal is no exception, 
as you might find one or two hiding inside a bun. Though they're not exactly hidden, but baked into the dough of the foulard bread. Tastes can vary according to region, meaning the foulard can either be sweet, seasoned with anise and cinnamon in the south, or savoury, featuring cured meats such as chorizo and ham in the north, which possibly signals the end of Lent, a period of fasting in the Christian liturgical calendar, which forbids the consumption of red meat starting on Ash Wednesday. As with everything, the existence of the foulard started out with a story. In this instance, the predicament of a young girl called Mariana, whose only wish in life was to be married. Praying to the divine to help her realise her wish, the girl soon found herself blessed with the patronage of Saint Catherine, who brought her not one, but two lovers, one a rich landlord, the other a poor farmer. When both of them knocked on Mariana's door on Palm Sunday, demanding a decision, the surprised Mariana quickly chose the farmer, though she immediately regretted her decision as the slighted landlord promised to kill them on their wedding day. The following Sunday, Easter Sunday, the girl prayed to St Catherine again to save their lives. She returned home from church to find that her prayers had been answered in the shape of a loaf of bread with three baked eggs in it. She ran to the farmer's house, and he too had received the same kind of bread. Believing the landlord had changed his mind about revenge, they went to his house to thank him, but he too had received a loaf of bread with whole eggs. It had been a gift from St Catherine, inviting the three to reconcile and become friends. The Fular continued to symbolise friendship and to be shared among family members and friends on Easter Sunday. However, the tradition of gifting it is now almost exclusive between godmothers and their godchildren. On Palm Sunday, children will usually present their baptism mothers with a posy of violets, the flower of innocence, the Virgin Mary, and of course Lent due to its purple hue. In return for this gift, Godmothers will provide their godchildren with a foulard with baked eggs, as a celebration of spring, rebirth, and, in this case, Christ's resurrection. But Portugal, the United Kingdom and Germany aren't the only European countries to have developed curious traditions with eggs. In Poland, legend said that the Virgin Mary herself would paint eggs red, blue and green to amuse a young Jesus, while in Romania, eggs were tinted red, to represent the blood of Christ. These colours were attained by dipping the eggs into a natural dye, or by boiling them in coloured water. For example, the Romanian bloodshot hue could be achieved by boiling the eggs in red onion skins, whereas England began using gorse blossom for yellow and cochineal for scarlet. The same principle could be followed for green using spinach and passion fruit flower for purple. Tying ribbons around the eggs could produce a marbled effect, but utilising petals or leaves was also popular as it created a beautiful flowery pattern in the shell. In some Eastern European countries, these eggs would then be placed near family graves to commemorate the resurrection, though it was not uncommon to see them placed in windowsills as a protection from lightning storms and other household disasters. Most eggs, however, would find their way into children's games, such as stool bar, nur and spell, bowling or even football, 
In Cheshire, matches were organised between rivalling towns, until 1856, when the rector of Bartholomew wrote that they were starting to be replaced by cricket. Other regions, such as the Highlands and the Isle of Man, competed in egg rolling by dropping hard-boiled eggs down a slope until they cracked, the winner being the player whose egg remained unscathed by the end of its journey. Due to the symbology of eggs in the Easter season, it is also likely that these games had a spiritual significance, as the version of egg rolling in the Hebrides suggests. Before being rolled down a hill, each egg would be identified by its owner with a letter or sign. The contestant whose egg was undamaged by the end of the run could expect good luck in the coming year. If it was broken, misfortune would befall them. Argyleshire, however, observed a more fertility-related egg rolling, as young men and women were divided into groups, and the one whose egg rolled the farthest would be the first one to marry. In Lancashire, the Pace Eggers procession was a fantastical sight. Mummers, dressed in colourful ribbons and streamers, paraded up and down the streets singing songs and collecting equally lavish Pace Eggs, as well as money, possibly signalling towards coming May Day celebrations. Regardless of the location and whatever the custom, it was wise to then finish celebrations by crushing the discarded eggshells used in these games and crafts, otherwise witches could use them as boats, or the devil as a house. Although they should never be disposed of in a fireplace, as the preceding chickens that lay them might never be able to produce an egg ever again. My thanks go to Celine Paxton Brooks, to Paula Schiavon, to Joanna Veranda and to Lara C. Corey for providing the material for this bonus content. Throughout this difficult period of global pandemic, we are endeavouring to bring you extra bonus content whenever we can to try and keep you entertained. If you're interested in writing a piece of bonus content for the podcast on a folklore belief, tradition, or something else that you think will be of interest to our listeners, do please get in touch by emailing thefolklorepodcast at gmail.com and offer up something that you've written or would like to research. We'll have a chat and see if it would be suitable to put on for other people to listen to. Thanks so much for listening once again. We shall see you soon and enjoy the rest of your Easter day or whichever day it is that you're listening to this bonus content.